Ladies and gentlemen, you're about to experience the Gut Check Project, talking science, health, and innovation that you can actually use. But this isn't just another health show. We're here to have fun and make your time enjoyable. Well, while you are enjoying yourself, know that even though the GCP covers some health topics with healthcare pros, we are not your doctors. So use our show to entertain your mind and not for medical advice. And now, here are your hosts of the Gut Check Project, Dr. Ken Brown and Eric Rieger. Hello, Gut Check Project fans and KBMD Health family. This is the Gut Check Project. I'm your host, Eric Rieger, joined here by this great guy, Dr. Kenneth Brown. Ken, what's up? What is going on, Eric? This is episode 82. Today, I kind of feel like people are listening to the, or, or researchers are listening to the podcast and they're starting to put out studies like they're like, oh, that's a good idea. That episode that you guys did, we're going to do a study because we're going to talk about how eh, eating turkey can help your brain. We're going to talk about how you can be smarter and talk about how not to gawk when you're at a crow funeral if they're having sex. <laughs> okay, that's a lot. So first, <laughs> are you insinuating that because of our show that other people have done research and not only have they done research, they've gathered data, analyzed it? published papers and now we're reading them that is my insinuation um more than likely we just happen to be doing stuff that is really relevant and these researchers are catching up to us okay good we yeah might have a better grasp on reality than that but that's okay so what are we talking about uh, what we're going to talk about on episode 82 is there's some really cool articles that have recently been published about looking at how the metabolites from polyphenols, and we've said this before, but uniquely one of them coming from tryptophan, which is why I made you this delicious plate of beef jerky, Ooh. chicken, pistachios, cashews, and almonds. If you're, if you're uh, hearing this, I'm holding up this uh, really cool plate of tryptophan-rich foods because we're going to explain why this is a big deal. And as Eric continues to eat this, you'll see <laughs> that his vocabulary will increase. He will become funnier, happier, yeah. and uh, I should have de-shelled the pistachios. I'd hate to see you swallow one of those shells and suddenly I'm doing the Heimlich on you during our show. I'm probably going to feel so good I can't stop myself. <laughs> so that's what we're going to be talking about. These just recent articles, it just fits right in line with everything that we've been doing in the last couple episodes, specifically the one on uh, anti-aging and the microbiome, because we talked a ton about how important it is to have the right microbiome. These articles are just kind of proving that. So Now it makes sense. And really, it sounds to me like you're talking about postbiotic activity. Once again, so tryptophan, of course, is an essential amino acid, and these, I imagine, results are the part of someone who consumes enough tryptophan and to get these beneficial results, correct? 100%. Um, don't mind me. I'm not, uh, uh, if you're watching this, I'm going to be looking at several different places. We had a technical problem where I usually do um, a bunch of research on these episodes and then I print it out and the printer is broken. So I'm trying to figure out how to uh, look at different screens to see the notes and the data that I have. So Our printer did not get enough our essential amino not, acids. Yeah, our printer did not do it. So anyways, um, let's talk about what's going on with you. What's going on with me? Now, the first thing I'm going to think of is maybe without notes in front of you, you forget to ask What's going on with me? Because that's the first pause. That's the first pause. I've ever heard uh, from you on that subject. <laughs> a 
was last weekend, got to hang out Labor Day with uh, Gage and Mac in Lubbock, moved them in all the way, delivered some furniture, had a great time with them, spent a little uh, R&R at the lake with some friends on uh, the actual Monday for the good cookout, and uh, this week's been great. I mean, just uh, enjoying the, hopefully, close down of warm weather, and I know that you have a big trip coming up this weekend. Why don't you uh, tell us about that? I do. I'm really excited. So this weekend, University of Texas hosts the number one football team, college, Alabama. And me and Lucas are going to go check that out. It's going to be really cool. He's going down there to uh, meet with the tennis coach and help with some recruiting. And I get to tag along and go to the game. It doesn't sound bad. I think a lot of people will be watching it. I think it's 11 o'clock kickoff, though, isn't it? 11 or noon? Yeah, but that fits right into my schedule. I've, <laughs> I, I've been awake for like eight hours already, so yeah. I'm good. That's perfect. Good thing it won't be hot at yeah. all, I'm sure. Um, yeah, that. and then um, you're probably wondering why I want to talk about crow funerals. So I do. I was going into the gym one morning, and I just, you know, I'm fascinated by Corvids. We've talked about them one or two other times where they, you know, how they, they seem to be more intelligent than other birds and all this other stuff, you know, crows, ravens, whatever. So (laughs) I was walking in and, uh, there was just a bunch, they're actually called a murder of crows, a bunch of crows, just a big group of them Mm -hmm. hanging out, squawking, running around. And it looked like there was a dead one in the middle. Uh And I stared at that and I was like, what is going on over there? That is the weirdest thing. And so, Google it, and as it turns out, crows have funerals. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, Seriously. Dead serious. And in fact, there's like an expert in this. And Wait, wait. Is this another toothologist? <laughs> I love how you remember toothologist. No, that is, <laughs> that is a great, great joke. It's a corvid thanatologist. Seriously? There's an actual term. Wait, what the hell? <laughs> We're going to run out of special shows getting all these people on here. Corvid Thanatologist. Um, the one, and so anyways, I started Googling it, then I went to YouTube, and I was like, holy shit, crows do have funerals. <laughs> and that's her specialty. So a thanatologist is a scientist that studies death behavior. Okay. Those that are still living and how they interact with that. So a thanatologist can actually be a psychologist that helps grieving adults, or they could be a scientist looking at that, or you can become a thanatologist and then be one of those mortician type people. I don't know, whatever. But so it's somebody that handles death and those around it, death behavior. It's actually kind of cool. It's pretty wild. Well, as it turns out, this doctor, she's a PhD named Kaylee Swift, seems to be like the world expert on this. And I just got, I just went down a rabbit hole because she's an interesting personality and she was discussing how that, that's what her specialty is. And so it, she ended up having like a PBS special and all this stuff. Interesting. They crows completely recognize death and they actually recognize faces. So her research started out where she put a mask on like Mm. a, um, like a J, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre type oh, mask. Oh, like a, like a leather mask? Yeah, like yeah, like a leather mask. Kind of human-like, but you could tell that it's not. Mm-hmm. And she walked into a park where all these crows were holding a taxidermy dead crow. And they went apeshit. They were like, you know, rah, rah, and they were like flying around. They were getting super pissed at her. And they were just like flipping out. And then she went the, she used to go, sorry, one of the things she would do, she would go normally and feed them peanuts. Mm-hmm. And they would like come down and eat from her. Mm-hmm. And then she went back the next day, not in mask, 
holding peanuts and they were like super leery, but they went up to her and did this. Mm -hmm. And then she went the third day in the mask, no crow, and all of them went ape shit again. So it showed that they recognized that this person with the mask was associated with some kind of crow death. So then they got her interested where she's like, wow, they, they clearly are intelligent. They're clearly doing this. So she monitored when uh, crows would die and she watched their behavior and they would come and they would gather and they would squawk and they would bring twigs and they would bring papers and they would lay it on the dead crow. Wow. And then she said what was really wild was that sometimes it turned into a sex frenzy. Where as they're at this funeral, as they're at the crow funeral, they would just kind of look over and be like, yeah, let's get this on. And then occasionally one would be like, I'm going to get it on with the dead one. And then, <laughs> <laughs> and then and she's like documenting this. I mean, this is like all her research. And then while one was getting it on with the dead one, the other one's just like, well, I'm going to get it on with you also. She's in like, she's in this interview she's sitting there talking she's like so i witnessed my first crow three-way at a funeral so it's a uh, it, i just this all started because i saw what i presume could only be a crow funeral and then it led to this digression into sex at a crow funeral gut check project is normally a health show and uh <laughs> but today it's a little bit about crow no i'm just kidding and it's no. actually pretty fascinating it's this is where research begins honestly yeah and uh modeling behavior uh, charting behavior of animals oftentimes will tell us about our own processes or how to deal with grief, death. And it's, there are a lot of things that are similar between us and various animals on how we handle and recognize death of a loved one. So it's uh, actually pretty interesting. Well, I mean, to me, it was interesting just how intelligent they are. She had it. Um, she showed the exact same thing where she put the mask on and carried a dead pigeon. Yeah. Through a bunch of pigeons. Uh-huh. They gave no <laughs> shit. They were just like, what's up? <laughs> yeah. Look what you found. <laughs> so, so anyways, that was, that's my digression on that. I feel like I got to quit going down these ologist holes. No, I think we should keep going. <laughs> this is pretty good. All right, let's go ahead and talk about what we're really going to talk about today. So first one is there's two articles on berries. We talk about berries all the time. And when I talk to my patients, everybody loves to sit there and say, well, I, I eat berries. We've talked about how there was a studies in Harvard where it showed the consumption of berries led to um, decrease in dementia. Mm-hmm. Here's another article. It's just over and over. But this one was fascinating because it's regular blueberry consumption may reduce the risk of dementia. But the key here is that they looked at middle-aged people. Usually it's always looking at the end stage and coming back. They looked at middle-aged people who consume blueberries every day may have a reduced risk of developing dementia. This new study out of the University of Cincinnati, it was just published in the journal Nutrients. Basically, we know that blueberries have a polyphenol, which is called anthocyanidins. Mm -hmm. And that's what gives blueberries their beautiful color. So those polyphenols help the plants to survive, and we know that that actually helps us and feeds our bacteria to produce anti-inflammatory type things. So in previous berry studies, uh, it's always focused on older populations looking at this, but with this research, these guys looked at middle-aged individuals to focus on dementia and prevention of this. So the key here is start earlier. So if you're Listening to this and your middle age, whatever middle aged is now. So I don't know what 55, it is. 55, 60. Oh, no, that's that's still young. Come yeah. on, man. <laughs> yeah. Um, but basically, 
50% of individuals in the U.S. will develop insulin resistance, which many researchers like Peter Atia now believe that that is the precursor to mm. all these other things. That's Definitely. diabetes. And so w it was noted that cognitive benefits with blueberries in prior studies in older adults seem to help. So why not look at this? So they took 33 people um, who were age 50 to 65. Oh, look at that. Middle age, age 50 to 65. Um who were overweight, pre-diabetic, and had noticed some memory decline, mm -hmm. um, said that uh, this population had a very high risk. So they had them take over a 12-week period, a essentially the equivalent of one half cup of whole blueberries, while the other half received placebo, and ultimately the group that um, took the blueberry mm -hmm had an increased executive function, working memory, mental flexibility, and self-control. Those that had placebo did not have a benefit. So basically, it was just, it, he, they said that those in the blueberry-treated group showed improvement on cognitive tasks, um, which was probably very important to prevent dementia. So they'll follow those people out and show that it'll help with dementia. So blueberries, helping with that. It's the proanthocyanidins, and they used a fixed amount. Then almost like a week later, a group came out that talked about cranberries uh -huh. and can improve dementia um, as well. Almost identical. This came out of, not Cincinnati, this came out of the UK. And I always think it's funny because, okay, this article was published. Uh, May Okay, the Cincinnati, Cincinnati article was May 11th, uh -huh. and the uh, UK article was May 30th of this year. 2022 okay i just like when people are doing research you know that they're like racing they're like i heard those sons of bitches in cincinnati <laughs> there but they did it in a british accent yeah yeah uh -huh. can you do that i don't know <laughs> I, well, I don't know how somebody in the uk says sons of bitches <laughs> that's, that's, good that's probably the bigger point yeah just hey yeah. you sons of bitches i don't know there we go yeah I that's don't nice know. is it do they say y'all Y'all, I don't know. I don't think they did. <laughs> Anyways, so regardless of how they got upset, they were they were just like a couple weeks behind, and they showed that consuming the equivalent of a cup of cranberries a day among fifty to eighty year olds ultimately did kind of similar things. They put them through cognitive tests, and literally they um, improved significantly. And they had a significant improvement in memory, everyday events, visual, episodic memory neural functioning and so their conclusion was in combination with improved circulation so the thing that they did here which was cool oh. is that they measured the circulation in the brain mm -hmm. so that's probably what they did they're like aha we we beat them because although we're a little later we took the extra time to look at increased blood circulation to the brain and those that had the cranberries had increased blood circulation which comes back to the nitric oxide capability of these polyphenols and so one other thing that they did notice is that their triglycerides improved. And so this supports the idea that cranberries can improve vascular health and may in part contribute to the improvement in brain perfusion and cognition. So when I discuss this, everybody says, oh, I'm going to eat more berries. I'm like, you can do that. But we do know that it is dose dependent, meaning that the more berries you eat, the more of this kind of stuff you have. That's how come we've got things like Atrantil Pro for your daily dose of polyphenols. Yep. Two doses of Atrantil is equivalent to five bowls of berries without the calories. Definitely. So I just, I'm so excited that all this research is coming out and we've been riding this for, we've been riding this wave. We knew this was, we were talking polyphenols six years ago 
and everybody was looking at us and now everything's coming out on this you know kind of taking the coattails of the longevity series that we had where we talked about the behaviors that someone may want to adopt if they want a good health span while they live long you know stay healthy for as long as that you live and a lot of that comes to developing good habits from your diet to your sleep to your exercise and then the end we wrapped up with supplementation which of course is where Autron Teal and Autron Teal Pro fit in being proanthocyanidin uh, polyphenol supplements. Well, there's nothing wrong with getting in the habit of eating these fresh berries and consuming a reliable supplement that helps you achieve these types of results. I, for one, I'm one of those blueberry eaters. I'll, blueberries are probably my favorite berry followed closely by raspberry. I eat probably blueberries and raspberries almost every day. I love hearing that. I don't want to polarize anybody. You know how sensitive a topic that is when we talk about berry types and things. It's, it, it'll polarize our audience. So let's just let's just include all berries. Okay. Let's I'm, include all berries. <laughs> I'm, I'm really sorry, Golgi berries. <laughs> Everyone forgets the Golgi berry. Why does I think of one no. I don't have very often? I think I like all berries, honestly. Don't you? I mean, what, oh, I do totally. What yeah. berry isn't good? In no, fact, totally. I, knowing how to prepare cranberries is probably the biggest skill, because I think just eating raw cranberries doesn't taste that great. Yeah. So I, it, th- those are two articles, and then this third one, which is only—it's very interesting because we're always talking about um, the metabolites. But this is a really interesting article because it is—it is titled. It's from the University of Barcelona. Mm-hmm. And we love the Spaniards. We do. So. Um, it came out of the University of Barcelona, published in Molecular Nutrition. The title of the article is A Polyphenol-Rich Diet Increases the Gut Microbiota Metabolite Indole 3 Propionic Acid in Older Adults with Preserved Kidney Function. Really long title. Indole 3 Propionic Acid, so normally referred to short as IPA? Yes, it is. It is commonly referred to as IPA. So we're going to refer to it as IPA from now on because okay. saying that it's long Thank you. three propionic acid <laughs> is is way too long. Um, what's really cool is this is really novel. People are not talking about this. This group had prior had done a study. And what they did is they built on the research that they'd already done, which showed that an eight week trial of eating polyphenols mm-hmm. actually improved microbial diversity and improved metabolism of nutrients which resulted in improved memory scores and spatial learning. Much like the two articles we just talked about, they did the exact same thing. They're like, well, let's do that also. Okay. I mean, if the Brits are doing it and the Americans are doing it, let's do it. Okay. But they looked a little bit deeper into this, and then they re-looked at the data, and what they noticed is that people with the best cognitive scores Mm -hmm. seemed to have a diet which was much higher in tryptophan. So they realized that the polyphenols were feeding the microbiome and one of the metabolites was IPA. In the microbiome anti-aging episode that we did, we talked about the short chain fatty acids specifically focused on butyrate. Right. IPA never came up. No. And this was really cool because they said, well, wait a minute, what if... Um, we focus on that. So a really quick definition, 3-indole propionic acid or IPA, it is a potent neuroprotective antioxidant. And currently in humans, it's being studied as a therapeutic use in Alzheimer's and it's endogenously produced by the microbiome. So in other words, right now it looks like some 
people are trying to, some drug companies are investigating mm -hmm. using IPA for Alzheimer's. But when we say it's endogenously produced, it means that your microbiome produces it from foods that are high in tryptophan, like cashews, nuts, pistachios. Chicken, turkey, beef jerky. Beef, or just, yeah, that's just beef in beef. general, but yeah, um, in beef. So tryptophan is an essential amino acid. It's needed for general growth, but it is also the producer of niacin, B3. It's most famous for... Serotonin, melatonin. Correct. So tryptophan is the precursor and your body uses it to make serotonin and melatonin. Um, so you would think, oh, well, that makes sense. That's how come that they're uh, doing better on their cognitive scores. They have higher serotonin. Not quite true because once they realize that it's actually the IPA mm -hmm. doing this particular thing in association with the microbiome. Yes, you need the serotonin. Yes, you need the melatonin. But it was becoming very evident that it's this metabolite from the microbiome, which is producing all these beneficial effects. Interesting. So, oh, go ahead. Did no, you, you that's say it. Something? Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, curious. You know, we've talked about in the past supplementation of certain elements that are normally found in whole foods don't necessarily deliver the same as they would in a whole food. And I'm curious if obviously tryptophan rich foods uh, are optimal for this particular discussion. Do you think that supplementation with 5-HTP is or 5-HT is the same? The um, you know, I'm talking about the over-the-counter. Yeah, the yeah, uh, uh, five hydroxytryptophan. Uh huh. Do you think that that? Oh. I don't know. I mean, we may not have that. I don't know, but it's used that. in like so many uh, nootropic blends. Mm -hmm. It's used in so many sleep blends. I don't know the bioavailability of that. Do you? Once I do not know that, but it really brings up the fact that now you got me thinking that if you were to actually have a proper microbiome mm -hmm. and you give your body the mother molecule, right, will you have a better benefit? Well, and I would. I'm just guessing but almost every time that we look at natural versus a synthetic delivery system natural almost always seems to be far more resilient and more reliable for a host of other reasons usually a cascading effect or something else like that yeah mother nature just seems to know it a little bit better sure and so that's an interesting thing which we probably should get into that at some point get into some of those nootropics and look at that kind of stuff but um in this one they actually talk about how IPA um, really is this short-chain fatty acid that appears to have very similar characteristics to butyrate. Mm -hmm. It is anti-inflammatory. It crosses the blood-brain barrier, decreases neuroinflammation. And so it's this, this wonderful metabolite that I have never actually read about. And there's so many things very similar to butyrate. I'm giving this highlight to butyrate, and we've got this other one that doesn't get recognized, which is IPA. The key is... How do you increase your IPA? So they have shown that when you have higher levels of IPA, that you actually have an association with other metabolites, which are beneficial, like butyrate and urolithins and things like that. So when IPA goes up, it's kind of an indirect marker that everything's going really well, mm -hmm. and you're going to have a bunch of other really good things happening. So that's pretty wild because... They showed in a different study that higher levels of IPA actually control NF-kappa-beta, the primary, you know, the first domino to start the whole inflammatory cascade. So, right. so these guys were, I, I thought that was pretty brilliant for them to go, okay, so these cool guys from Barcelona, they're like, well, we got this old data over here that we did that study, whatever it was, and all the people that scored better had higher levels of tryptophan in their diet 
we should look at IPA levels in association with using polyphenols because we already did polyphenols. So they took 51 volunteers aged greater than 65, Mm -hmm. still middle-aged, come on. (laughs) Yeah. Greater than 65 who followed a polyphenol-rich diet for eight weeks, Uh similar to their other study. Foods like berries and chocolate, leaves of the Atrantil tree, seeds of the Atrantil fruit. No, they didn't take Atrantil. (laughs) But similar. Similar. Just like they did. Things almost as good as Atrantil. Yeah. I can't wait till we can make an Atrantil tree. You just walk up and just have the power of polyphenols. Anyways, separate discussion. Um, but when they kept track of their diet for a full eight weeks, um, something that I found really interesting is that several of the people in this group were predominantly plant-based. And what they did notice is that those that consumed animal proteins had a much higher tryptophan level um, than those that were strictly plant-based. Sure. Kind of kind of wild there. What they also showed was there was a significant increase in IPA after starting a polyphenol rich diet and a higher increase in those that have polyphenols plus the animal proteins. This is relevant because what gets talked about all the time is fiber. Yeah. And so the reason why I say those with a higher polyphenol content, remember these people were told to go eat polyphenols and then report back. Uh-huh. Those that had higher fiber to polyphenol ratio mm-hmm. had less IPA produced. Those that had higher um, polyphenol intake had a higher IPA, even when they uh, accounted for the fiber intake. So one more time, we always talk about how do you improve your microbial diversity? And we say polyphenols and fiber. Mm-hmm. Well, here in this study, they're showing, well, no, we actually looked at fiber, which did improve the IPA. Right. But we looked at polyphenols, which significantly improved it more. So the more polyphenols you take in, which many times will have fiber in it. Right. But those that chose non-polyphenolic uh, foods that have fiber, I'm, I'm trying to think of some right now, but whatever. Okay. Uh, let's just say that those that took Metamucil or something like that yeah. did not have the same increase. So I thought that was really interesting because even when they adjusted for that, so. Well, it's a complex food issue, right? So if you have something that's a naturally occurring food, there are lots of compounds that go along with maybe what it is that you think that you're eating the food for. And having that whole host is, is yet again a natural cascading effect in the way that it's kind of packaged. It's packaged for your body to consume it in this manner, not just singularly. Does that make sense? It makes total sense because you're not just trying to absorb it. You're trying to get it to the place where your microbiome can take effect. Yeah. And then as expected, when they looked at the microbiome of the people with the highest IPA, they had the most diverse, not only the most diverse, but they had a higher proportion of good bacteria, you know, acromantia, things like that, than bad bacteria. So that made total logical sense. Comes back to that thing that we talk about, that to get the most out of your food and supplements, you got to have the right microbiome to do it. These guys showed that. And in this case, fascinating that this molecule called IPA that can do so many things, we always talk about the others, was significantly increased. If you take your polyphenols, take a bite of the Take a bite of the beef jerky, mm-hmm. pop an outro on teal, and you got yourself a winning combo right there. Makes sense. And, and uh, you kind of glossed over it, but it's, it's actually pretty powerful because you, we've spent some time talking about NF-kappa beta, and you said that IPA actually could stop 
the very first step of NF Kappa Beta being activated in the implant. Yes. Yeah, I think it's They huge. actually showed that. Knowing that you can control and stop inflammation and in particular root is probably a main reason why it would be neuroprotective, I would imagine. Yeah, we need to remember that IPA is, you don't go into a microbrewery or yeah, IPA. that's not going to do it. I need your IPA3. <laughs> I need your IPA3. <laughs> Listen to this podcast. I'm going to get smarter and improve my microbiome. Different, different IPA. Listen to the first part of the podcast. Yeah. 3-indole-propionic acid. You know, so their conclusion is that a polyphenol-rich diet can cause an increase in serum concentration of the metabolite tryptophan, mm -hmm. known as 3-indole-propionic acid, or IPA. And they also showed that those who ate more polyphenols in relation to fiber had a higher proportion of that, which is the first time I've ever come across that because I always thought that the fiber was doing as much as the polyphenol. Now it shows that you, the fiber is good for many other reasons, but it's not necessarily the best for creating the metabolites. Right. This is like a head to head. Yeah. Nobody's ever done that. Everybody just says, oh, it's fiber and polyphenols. And then they showed that the inflammatory markers went significantly down. They looked at CRP. They looked at other inflammatory markers, interleukin-6, they all went down. So this is just three articles coming out, sort of validating everything that we've been kind of going down this path of metabolites and polyphenols. Let's play a little hypothesis because I don't know that we have the answer in front of us, but do you think that the availability of more tryptophan being found in people that were consuming a more balanced approach versus just a plant-based uh, effort to take in their nutrients and nutrition, et cetera. If the reason that the tryptophan was more abundant and IPA was being better produced was because of possibly vitamin B being available in animal meat, is there some type of, I've, and I'm totally reaching here, but, I almost feel like that there's a process with the way that aminos are used in assembling uh, various products and being that tryptophan is an amino acid that vitamin B might actually be part of the essential cofactor, if I'm not using the right word, but to actually help some of the synthesis on some of these things that are being formed, having tryptophan available. Total shot in the dark. I'm just kind of curious. It's no, just I, think you're, I think you're onto something because there is some evidence that you know tryptophan can be um, ultimately converted to vitamin B3, niacin, mm -hmm. which is part of the whole pathway of getting to the um, NAD eventually. No, I think you're onto something there. That's There's got to be a relation there somewhere because you can eat. It's not that tryptophan isn't available in some plant foods, just like cashews, pistachios, almonds, lots of nuts. But once again, it's the complementary compounds that go along with something that might deliver the result that you want a little better. Yeah. And I always thought that it was, you know, tryptophan is in Turkey and you know, that, that everybody yeah. talks about Thanksgiving and that, but <laughs> now I didn't realize that uh, red meat has just as much or almost just as much tryptophan as Turkey and chicken is right up there with Turkey. So kind of interesting. Like I'm, I feel better about it because personally I'm, um, I feel like I'm more satiated. I feel like I can control my consumption when I do actually eat animal proteins, but more specifically red meat. I love red meat. You know, and that's a, 
and so I was always like, man, I got to start eating more chicken to get my tryptophan. But now I'm feeling pretty good. So, yeah, I mean, I'm a meat eater. I like meat, but I also eat the plants that go along with it too. I I just I don't so, stay in one lane like that. So let's look at the Mediterranean diet. If we actually talk about that, it's essentially some sort of protein, usually fish. Mm-hmm. Plus vegetables. Those vegetables have polyphenols in it. Oh, they definitely. Now we've got this combination here. It's like, okay, it's we're you're just seeing the combo. It's making sense. And now knowing that you can be increasing your IPA, which crosses the blood brain barrier, which decreases neuroinflammation and improves cognitive function. These guys that did the study on polyphenols that I talked about, the blueberries and cranberry people, was it IPA all along? That's the cool thing to think about. I mean, there's just a lot of cool research going on. So, and last last thing to leave it with, since you brought up the Mediterranean diet, just think of the variety every time that we sat down to eat a meal when we were in Croatia. Mm. Regardless of where we ate, the animal protein along with the polyphenol-rich foods, those were the staples. Every now and then there might be something a little extra like a sourdough bread or something else like that to play compliment, but it really was always some type of very well-harvested high-protein meat and then a fish and then some type of just crazy medley of great vegetables. I really want to go back. I know. (laughs) (laughs) It was a a good time. All right, so I'm going to let you recap this episode. What did you learn today, including crows? Okay, crows. Crows have funerals, and they're very sad, but they get over it by having sex at the funeral. <laughs> this poor researcher's like, that's not what I... That's. Oh, that's what I remembered. <laughs> that's what I remembered also. That's why I brought it up. Pigeons don't recognize pigeons. That's another thing I remember. Um, but uh, yeah, the fact that tryptophan plays such a large and important role, we can accomplish a lot by having enough tryptophan We've always thought about it being associated with the production of serotonin, which, of course, serotonin is a precursor to melatonin for a good night's sleep. But it turns out that uh, 3-IPA could be just as, if not a little bit more important, to protect our brains, to protect our health, to protect our vasculature. So. Yeah, not three IPA beers, just to clarify yes. one yeah. last time. <laughs> and say three IPAs. <laughs> Yeah, so that's uh, that's it. And I don't know, man, I'm such a freaking nerd out here. I see these articles and I just get giddy. I'm like, ah, oh, I just, I, I love where we're at right now. I love how we're helping people. I love that, you know, this big audacious goal to protect the brain. I, we're on the right track. We're definitely on the right track. And speaking of the right track, if you would like to ga- grab, gab, if you'd like to grab your own products, such as Autron Teal Pro or Autron Teal, you can head to kbmdhealth.com. He's a physician, so of course you can get the physician-owned uh, Autron Teal Pro, which comes with three specific, if you want to talk about them, spore biotics. Yeah, so the spore biotics. So as we talk about these metabolites, over and over and over again, you these researchers are showing that you have to have the right uh, microbiome to be able to unlock the potential. The reason why we came out with Atron Teal Pro is we worked with the scientists at Microbiome Labs and we put together three spore-based um, biotics, soil-based, 
which have been shown to decrease inflammation, which have been shown to improve um, mucosal integrity, which have been shown to do all these things on their own. And what blew us away is these three, one of them in particular has the highest level of an enzyme called tannase, which specifically breaks down the tannins in Atrantil, the Cabracho, the large stable polyphenol into smaller phenolic compounds so that the other bacteria can then chew on them. It's like, we're going to do the heavy lifting here and now you guys get to eat these smaller bites and now you're going to produce IPA. This is what's going on. So it's kind of a, it's almost a biohack on how to unlock the full potential of these polyphenols. That's what, that's exactly what we were just Atrantil Pro. talking about before, uh, before the show. And that is that we've had questions on what's the difference between pro and regular Atrantil. Many, I mean, well over a million bottles sold here of our regular Atrantil. And these are great polyphenols, same polyphenols in both bottles, but what's the difference? Well, if you happen to have ever experienced something like dysbiosis or long-term disruption of the bacteria in your colon for whatever it could be, it could be from long-term antibiotics. It could be long-term <sighs> diarrhea. It could be from, if you've had an episode of C. diff possibly sometime in your life, you may not have a well-balanced microbiome in your colon. In order for you to reap the full benefits of polyphenols, it doesn't even matter if it's Atrantil or not, you would still need the correct bacteria to unlock and break down those polyphenols to have those uh, benefits of the postbiotics. For sure. Oh, dude, I just thought about something. Everything we're talking about is memory, cognition, dementia, but everything comes down to inflammation. If you've got IPA circulating around, mm -hmm and you happen to be a young person that does something which could result in any type of concussion in any way, oh, yeah. holy cow, this is protective for anything that could cause neuroinflammation. Right. So if you're a football player, you better be taking, you better be eating high polyphenol diet, and you better hope that your IPA is way up. Hey, you know, and I, we've mentioned her before, and just to kind of, piggyback on those two berry articles that we had earlier notice that that's not that's not any different of a result in terms of benefit than what joe botel first brought to our attention about five years ago with why she was using the tart cherry and the polyphenols and tart oh, cherry yes to increase nitric oxide to decrease recovery time to increase sports performance um, so Joe Botel from Exeter University, also uh, across the pond or whatever. I can't. I, my accents are terrible on the spot, but I'm really trying. I just can't get over sons of bitches in in in, in an English uh, in an English accent. But yeah. regardless, uh, hey man, fascinating topic. Thanks a lot for uh, bringing polyphenols and tryptophan to uh, to the table today. It's cool stuff. So yeah, we're gonna uh, continue down this path. I feel like. Uh, we're trying really hard to scour the literature, find stuff to make sure that you keep your gut and your brain healthy. You cannot have a healthy anything without a healthy gut. I agree. That's going to do it for episode number 82. Thank you all so much. Please like and share the Gut Check Project with people that you care about. And uh, keep those comments coming. And it is true. We really are doing well at keeping up with new collared shirts so far. I think I'm like... <laughs> 11 episodes in, well, I got a new shirt every time. Steven's going to look at this and be like, why aren't you wearing the requisite, <laughs> you know, scrub? I looked at Delaney posting all those Instagram things, yeah. and they all, although each one's different, mm -hmm. it looks exactly the same. 
And even I was like, I think I've seen that one. And it was brand new. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I'm going to start. Like you shot them all in one day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Thank you all so much. And thanks for tuning in to the Gut Check Project. And uh, please, uh, like I said, like and share. And we'll see you all next oh, time. one like, last thing. Nice haircut. Oh, yeah. Thanks. It's good stuff. <laughs> all right. Bye, everybody. That's a wrap for this episode of the Gut Check Project, and we appreciate you for being a part of it. Be sure to follow us on your favorite platform for podcasts. You can find the GCP on Locals, YouTube, Spotify, Apple, Rumble, and more. And you can always check out gutcheckproject.com to find all episodes and interact with the show. Tell your friends and family not to wait to get Gut Checked.